I hope you all enjoyed the beautiful, beautiful weather we had this weekend. I know my family and I did. The other day, we took our both our children to the park, and the baby and I laid in the grass on a blanket while my husband and our three-year-old son played tennis. You get it already, I can see. <laughs> um, Eli loves to play tennis and has his own little tennis racket, and he's actually fairly good. But we're working with him to un- help him to understand how to hit the ball. And Kevin said to him, my husband said to him again and again, watch the ball, Eli. Keep your eye on the ball. If you watch the ball, you can help, it, help the racket hit the ball. And when I was watching them, I was reminded of similar times when I was a child, when my father, um, in vain, was trying to teach me how to catch. I am terribly, terribly uncoordinated. And he used to say, keep your eye on the ball. Keep your eye on the ball. Keep your eye on the ball is one of those things that you hear a lot as a child and that we say to children when they're learning. And it's one of those things that I think becomes ingrained in us, or at least in me, as a life lesson for more than just sports. Keep your eye on the ball. It's what Jesus tells his disciples from across the temple treasury. It would have been easy with everything that was going on there, with the finery and with the grandeur, with all of the fancy officials in their beautiful robes marching about. It's easy to get distracted, to forget what to watch for. And then, there, there it is. Did you see that? That was important. I can only imagine the poor, befuddled disciples looking a little confused as the ball flies right over their heads. Starstruck as they're watching the shining celebrity Pharisees, they completely miss the little widow as she dropped in her tiny offering. Jesus himself doesn't pay much attention to the glitter and the glam of the temple officials strutting through the square. He focuses instead on that widow and her act of humility. And of faith. Come on, coaches Jesus again. Keep your eye on the ball. Know the world around you. Notice everything. Then focus on what is of true value. Focus in, grab onto it, and then don't let go. We hear a lot about widows in the Bible. Widows are the epitome of weak and defenseless. They are the example of that. This is, of course, pre-women's rights, so we have to bracket that for a minute. Widows, without the protection and income of husband or father, are unable to care for themselves and perhaps their children. They're relegated to a low, ca- a low caste. They're useless to society and a burden. The widow's sacrifice in our story today is huge. It's costly. It's frightening. But despite this designation, this burden status that she has, the widow still came to the temple. She gave to the glory of God, and she gave generously and fully, and Jesus notices. He noticed her and pointed her out as an example to all. Now, it seems like on the surface of this story that Jesus is romanticizing poverty, but this is far from the case. He is instead criticizing the very systems that create it. Systems that say that giving from what is extra rather than giving from what is essential is just fine. 
systems that say that God condones extravagance when so many are starving, systems that say that include the oppression of the least of these. Jesus does not commend the widow for being poor. He commends her for being faithful, for truly trusting that God is with her in her plight. You could substitute any vulnerable group for the widow and have the same outcome. Children, strangers, the sick, the outcast. They were supposed to be under the care of the religious establishment. A portion of the temple offerings were supposed to go to the care of the most vulnerable in society. And apparently that didn't pan out. Jesus points out the dramatic gap between the temple officials and the widow with her last two coins. Jesus is admonishing those religious people who time and time again ignore their God-given duties to care for the most exposed in favor of flaunting their own status. Jesus uses the widow as an illustration to show us how the misuse of power has rent the fabric of the very society he has come to save. He instructs his followers to reject the social standards that value power and influence over everything else. And inherent in his instruction is a critique of those religious authorities who use their own positions, their own power, their own influence to systematically destroy populations like the widows that they are duty-bound to protect. And furthermore, teaches Christ, those in the religious community who practice this kind of abuse of power are even deeper at fault because they use the name of God to mask what they are doing. The widow's offering, it could be seen, was a really bad use of her last coins. She was, after all, giving the last of her meager existence to the self-same establishment that had proven itself untrustworthy to care for her, certainly undeserving of her generosity. But this, too, is Jesus' point. This is the ball that we should be watching. This is not about money. This, this is about faith. The widow gives those coins to the temple, not to the established hierarchy, not to the corrupt government, but to that which she sees as a symbol of all she holds dear in her world, her God. Her faith has told her that her contribution is important. Her faith has told her that God will take these coins and make something good. She is so committed to what the temple bears witness to, she dismisses the corruptness of the humanity about her. Her giving declares that God is greater than that corruption. Her eye is on the ball. For us, there is so much to watch in the world. There's so much to look at, so much to see. We have so much to worry about and so much to envy, and we have so much that we want. There's much distracting us from, as Jeffrey says, what is of true and ultimate worth. When there are so many balls in the air, it's hard to remember which one we are supposed to keep our eyes on. Then a story like this one comes along. 
So where are we in this schema? Are we the poor widow, giving generously of what we have because of a deep faith that God will make good from a corrupt system? Are we followers of Christ, recognizing the corruption of power around us, striving against it, working to change it? Or are we more like the religious leaders who climb the ladder of power ruthlessly, always looking for more power, more influence, regardless of who gets destroyed on our way up? Friends, if you're anything like me, and I know that some of you are, we are all of these things. Any one of them at any given time, at our best, we are both generous and radical. At our worst, we are selfish and we are power hungry. When our eyes are on the ball, we are the former and we profess that a life of faith is a life of abundance and not scarcity. There is plenty. When we are the latter, we've lost our focus. The ball goes sailing by. We struggle and hoard, and the world suffers. We believe in a God who values abundant faith over abundant wealth. That is why Jesus was a wandering carpenter and not a rich-robed king. That is why he entered this world through the body of a young woman rather than descending down from the clouds surrounded by the heavenly host. Jesus is not that obvious. And he wants us to be paying attention. The widow gives all. Foreshadowing the self-giving of Jesus on the cross, she lets go of everything that she has. This woman is worth watching. In giving her all to God, she reminds us that all we have is God's. In watching her, we can see that the gift of life and grace that God provides for us and the whole creation in this gift that we receive, we receive all that we need, and we are freed so that we might give of ourselves to God and to others. Amen.